Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buena mi gente, Machete Mate back with our weekly rodeo through Latin America and beyond. I'm Leroy, coming from my closet in Australia, and as usual, Austin. What's going on, Austin? What up, my man? And of course, the homie T. How's it going, y'all? Um, both coming from their basement in VA, so that's, there's that. Um, but, be- <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into it, a special shout out to our compas oficiales, Michael Quinn, Zach, Hector, Garrick, Brian, and Nice Things Podcast. Really appreciate y'all showing us solidarity on our brand new Patreon. Um, that's another thing. We have a new Patreon. So if you want to, if you support what we do, if you like what, we, what we're doing, um, please show some love and solidarity on, on that so we can keep just um, putting up better content and better stuff for y'all. Um, we have no plans on profiting off of this. This is like we said in the past, a labor of love. We just really want to educate people, bring awareness to the region and everything that's going on in the Latin American struggle and the third world as in, in general, I suppose. So um, we'll link to that and definitely show us some love. If not, it's all good. Um, everything's free anyway. Um, anyway, big week. Uh, Fred Flintstone lookalike and all-around piece of shit Secretary of State Mike Pompeo made the rounds <laughs> this week on his crew hype tour through Guyana, Brazil, Colombia, and Texas, showing up support against Maduro and the Bolivarian Republic of Venezuela. Colombia and the U.S., by the way, are carrying out joint military exercises in the Caribbean, which I'm sure is unrelated completely. Um <laughs> Now, this is a huge we literally just talking about this off camera. Barbados, and shout out to all the West Indies, it's the only cricket I support, has announced that they will be removing Queen Elizabeth II as head of state, paving the way for a republic. About damn hey, time. Cannot wait until all the old people here are gone so Australia can begin to kind of seriously entertain that idea. So I've always said that isn't until the old people all fucking duck Link to England in the good old days of World War One and Winston Churchill and blah 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 whatever the fuck till they're dead. Australia uh, will always be a monarchy or part of the, the Commonwealth until they die. Then we and by we they can explore um becoming a republic. So um yeah good yeah, yeah. good luck with that buddy. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's funny because they're actually like Republican like parties like little minority parties are always run. They never get anything but like it's. I don't know. It's weird. Like the 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 willing desire to be under like a monarchy is fucking. I don't know. Whatever the fuck, man. So yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And 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 real quick, I know like every once in a while, like you'll hear in like Jamaica and and I think Belize as well. Like, oh yeah, there's a we're gonna get rid. It's gonna be a republic now. Blah blah. blah and like nothing ever fucking happens. So seeing Barbados say fuck the queen. I in fact I think the prime minister said something along the lines of. Barbadians deserve a Barbadian head of state, something amazing like that. Yeah. And it was just like, oh shit, hell yeah. And I think also like people act like um, oh, it's like not a big deal, like, oh, she's just a symbolic role. But if I recall correctly, there was a story uh, a few years ago where it was I think it was Prince Charles was meddling around in like uh political affairs in some of the Commonwealth states. I could be wrong. And I remember hearing something else that like David Cameron, when he was Prime Minister of England, 
and like his wing of the Tories took the queen really seriously. They took like the Royal family seriously and their opinion seriously. Yeah, Cause they're just like conservatives, man. It's just, it's fucking amazing. It's 2020 for God's sake. It's not like Saudi Arabia, which, you know, is like an old school absolutist monarchy with uh, an actual like economic base. This is the queen of fucking England. I, I it's amazing. Incredible. Yeah. I wish you luck, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's funny because here you hear people like go talk about shit, all oh, those fucking palms, because palms like the term for in the English. Anytime we play cricket, oh fuck the English, fuck the English. But whenever there is a mention that one of the someone from the royal family will potentially come to Australia, everyone loses their fucking minds. Oh, for no. the Queen's birthday, we decorate like public transport or oh, happy birthday, Queen Elizabeth, whatever the fuck. All the streets okay. downtown in the city have them named after old old um, royalty. It's fucking it's fucking bizarre. Like I don't fucking get it. They should all just fucking die. What, anyway, real quick note: one of the stupid things about our town in Fre- Fredericksburg, Virginia, is that half the shit is named after Confederates, and then the other half is like named after like late 18th century British nobility and shit. Yeah, Prince Frederick of Wales or whatever the fuck is is who Fredericksburg is <laughs> named after. That's incredible. That's a real person. Whatever the fuck. Well, well, Melbourne's named after, like, the third Earl of fucking Melbourne from 1850s or whatever the fuck. Jesus Christ. Anyway, we should go back to Namland and um, cede the land back to the um, Aboriginal folks. But it's never happened because, yeah, you know, bro. it's colonialism. Anyway, um, moving on. In El Salvador, our comrades in the FMLN warns about the government's plan to reform the Constitution, warning that the process will be secret and will most likely result in the executive's usurpation of other state powers, which in my book, as we've spoken about, is something Bukele will absolutely try to fucking do. Try to he's a piece of shit. that shit. He's a piece of shit. Try to auto-coup himself and in the name of anti-corruption, whatever the fuck. And we've gone in deep into um, what anti-corruption means. But today, we're going to be talking about a few different things. Uh, we're going to be talking about the potential impeachment of of the president of peru there was a vote he went to the impeachment but then won that impeachment whatever the fuck but we'll get into it pretty excited about that one because i don't think if memory serves we haven't really spoken about peru peru's always in the headline but for whatever reason we just never spoke about peru which is huge um we're going to be talking about the the poll numbers in bolivia so luis alce and mas are set to win in the first round which is a big deal but in saying that Agnes has dropped out so we'll be talking about the ramifications of that and of course, we'll be talking about Puerto Rico. So we'll start there. So the other day, Puerto Rico had its first gran debate. So the big debate for the gubernatorial um, position. So for for, gov- for governor, so you had the six governor gubernatorial candidates um, debating. So we had six hundred year old Cristo fascist Cesar Vasquez. <laughs> We had independent sort of slick business businessman type of dude, Eliezer Molina. Then, of course, the the big name one. So we had um, Alexander Lugaro from the NVC. So that's that big tent sort of wishy-washy on status party. We had our homeboy Juan Dalmau from the Independence Party, so the PIP. Uh, Chelly Delgado from the pro-status quo, maybe PPD party. And of course, we had a freaking Pedro Pelusi from the PNP pro-statehood party. Um, really fascinating debate. Um, but sure, we go through it. Um, T, I don't. You said you, you didn't actually catch it, right? But um, we'll be talking about it here, and yeah, man. But um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't catch it. I was at work, unfortunately. So I'm I'm eager to hear like y'all's takes. 
the thing is like it it went probably as good as you could imagine like it, everything <laughs> was the script but it was it was pretty fascinating um austin how do you want to do this you want to go candidate by candidate you want to go overall what do you reckon so a couple things first i think that makes sense uh candidate by candidate and then maybe we can go overall who the fuck we think won or whatever first let the record show this motherfucker t did see a portion of the debate like the closing quarter or whatever like the sign language part you were there for that yeah that ruled um which we'll definitely talk about absolutely um also let the record show i do not speak spanish right i i i typically rate my spanish i typically rate my spanish at one third fluency which if anybody can uh can imagine is not good right so in watching this debate i got all my conclusions from three things one my extremely poor spanish two generally reading body language right which dalmau certainly provided a, a lot of that and three the fact that shout out to the people who put this debate together, there was a sign language interpreter provided. And uh, don't mind, without going too deep into this, Puerto Rican sign language is mutually intelligible with American sign language, which I am mostly fluent in. So I got most of the debate, put it that way. Um, and uh, and I am eager to to go through it with you, which if you which I think it's a good idea if we go candidate by candidate. I think that makes sense. Cool. Um, you want me to start? Go for it. You do it. So right, I can so follow we'll st- and act like I yeah. knew what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's exactly what he said. Yep, yep. Um, we'll start from the bottom with the fucking Cristo fascist Cesar Vasquez. So this motherfucker is 800 years old. He's a cardiologist. He's a pastor. And he's a fucking fascist. He was up there talking about... And the show, the debate actually set it up like that. So, I mean, for me, there's, a, there's an argument that by asking the questions in terms of gender and sex and all that stuff set, set him up to look like an idiot. Or you could say that gave him a platform to spew his fucking garbage because he went out there and started talking about how um, the, the ideology of gender, that transgenderism and sexism, whatever, blah, blah, blah. He fucking both sides, I mean, all lives mattered like gender violence because in Puerto Rico, for those of you who are familiar, there is a very big incident, a very big epidemic of gender violence against women, especially this motherfucker was asked about it. He goes, Oh, but like, you know, it's not fair because you know, you could have a guy, he kills like 10 men and kills one woman. And all you ever talk about is the woman. I want, you know, to create a Puerto Rico where everybody's lives matter. It's like, man, shut the fuck up, man. And from that, like Lulado to her credit, I mean, we'll get to her to her credit absolutely fucking eviscerated this old man and then Dalmau jumped in as well and eviscerated him but he was just up there just spewing 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 garbage yo correct me if i'm wrong literally the first question they asked him was like what is he gonna do about lgbtq rights that was the the gist of the literal now to be clear this was not a topic that had been fielded to literally anybody else yet the first thing that this motherfucker says is a question about LGBTQ rights, which I found extremely fucking hilarious. And, and it's funny because uh, I don't like, I'm not too familiar with him, so I don't know his natural like speaking cadence, but he was very slow, very deliberate, very boring, this and that, whatever. And actually, I think someone tweeted it that 
because he's a cardiologist. And I was saying like he's he's probably the best cardiologist on the planet because he has range. So the way he speaks, he can lower your blood pressure, but what he's actually saying will raise your blood pressure. So <laughs> like that. Impressive. Yeah, absolutely. But um, Bro, he 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 lost the body language battle. I'm telling you oh, that right now. He correct me if I'm wrong. Like his political movement is relatively new, is it not? Uh, yeah. It started in the last couple of years. Kind of the, right. It's Puerto Rico's. I guess it's Puerto Rico's version of like you know the the global nationalist far right upsurge, and it's a relatively yeah. new Tea, formation. Tea party type of shit. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny. I remember when like this party first got registered. Like people, at least us, you know, in the left, kind of looking at it and being like, "Oh fuck this." This is a bad sign. And like, to me, at least they were kind of like a mystery going into the spate. Seeing this motherfucker, it was like, oh, okay, we got nothing to worry about. At least as long as this dude's the head of this fucking party. I mean, you saw that everyone's making that mistake, in my opinion, because we're all on Twitter, we're on our little bubbles or whatever. But if you go on Facebook, if you go on some of the Puerto Rican Facebook groups and pages, everything you're saying was, is going was, was, to resonate with them. Because he's the, and I like to call him, he's the Puerto Rican Facebook candidate. Because if you go to some of these groups, it's just a fucking garbage dump of just homophobia, transphobia, racism, bigotry, evangelical, neo-Pentecostalism, and all that shit, which is what he represents. So we look at him, we laugh, ha-ha, this fucking guy. I mean, don't get me wrong, he has no chance of winning, but he does have a following. And there is a movement out there that looks at this guy and goes, yeah, this guy makes absolute perfect sense. And especially the fact that he comes from the evangelical and uh, exactly. neo-Pentecostal side of things. You know, the religious equation in Latin America is very interesting where you, you know, every time we've seen these kind of like uh, almost U.S. style evangelical movements rise, we've seen a concurrent rise of the far right of nationalism, uh, you know, Again, the most famous case is going to be Bolsonaro in Brazil, who also, you know, was is strongly associated with uh, the Brazilian uh, Brazilian evangelicalism. No. So to me, like uh, to me that and I don't know how broad we're how much we are broadening this out before we've discussed anybody else. But to me, that just begs the question of, well, then how many fucking PNP votes is he going to take away? Right. Mm. How much of a wild card does that how much of a of a wild card is that going into November's elections? Because to me, the and once again, I don't know how much we want to broaden this out before we talk about anybody else. But to me, whenever I when I look at this debate and think about how how good Del Mauer Lugaro did, like it's in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, well, they're all going to split each other's votes and fuck each other anyway. To see at least somebody on the far right doing the same for the Penepes, that's like, mm, OK, maybe some uh, at least an interesting element for, uh, for November. No, absolutely. And um, of course, because the number one question in Puerto Rico, like the, if we're talking about like the primary contradiction in Puerto Rico is the colonialism, right? And that's always going to be the, the, the question. And they asked them, he goes, oh, are you pro statehood or are you pro independence or pro what? Didn't really have an answer. He goes, oh, well, you look, um, uh, yeah, blah, blah. Didn't have an answer. Like, how do you not have a fucking answer when that's the one thing that binds us to our colonial like existence? Which I don't know if we're, I'm not trying to segue away from dude onto goddamn, uh, I already forgot his fucking name, Charlie. Uh, Charlie fucks his last name. Um, Delgado, is that it? Uh, Char- uh, yeah. There we go. Yeah, oh, Charlie. Guy. Um, fucking guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which, oh, I love, wasn't it the first question was, is the uh, Commonwealth dead? 
And the motherfucker literally oh. said no. And I was like, oh my God. Like, and then I put out a tweet, like, imagine looking at the last year's uh, 10 years of Puerto Rico and still being pro colony. That's mind blowing. And the same thing with that is because everyone on the island, even the fucking PPD itself, they know the ELA is dead. Like, it's dead in the water. It's a fucking colony. They even tend to call themselves a colony. But that's still the one issue that binds them as a party. Because as we talked about before, every, they always refer back to Luis Muñoz Marin, who was like the first elected governor of, of Puerto Rico, who was part of the PPD side of the party. He's the one that pushed for the ELA, which is what Puerto Rico is, is now. So to say, oh, yeah, the ELA is dead. Is partisan like blasphemy for them? You know what I mean. He his whole thing at that point to me, and I guess we're moving on to Charlie now. I don't know. Was like uh, he was trying to tap into that uh, like PPD Puerto Rican nationalism of I am the Luis Munoz Marine candidate. We are the Munoz party. The ELA was good. What the fuck? Like that kind of like brand of like I guess Puerto Rican nationalism to a certain extent. I would call it. Yeah, because he was talking about, oh, I want to maintain, or they, I think they asked him also, what does the free association mean? What does it look for you going forward? And he's like, oh, well, look, um, so it'll be a free association with a bit of sovereignty, but we still want to maintain our U.S. citizenship so we can have some sort of like, I forgot how you phrase it, bilateral, like agreement, friendly, whatever, but still have a foot in both worlds without having a foot in either world. You know what I mean? Like, he went up there, did what he needed to do, um, as the PPD candidate, we'll see what happens. But I did my little um, ranked choice voting based on arbitrary numbers, and based on my numbers, he actually comes out winning. So hopefully, that's not the that's not the case. Here's the thing: I'm already, uh, sorry, real quick. I was about to say I'm already going all over the fucking place. But like, I totally agree with what you said as far as like he did at least enough as what he would need to do to get cater to his base, right? And I feel the exact same way for Pierre Luisi. I don't think Pierre Luisi or uh, or Charlie won this debate, right? But I think they did. They didn't necessarily lose, right? I think they did enough to cater to their bases. There were times when Lugaro and Dalmau were fucking beating the fuck out of just trading punches on Pierre Luisi, right? And that was fun. I think. Uh, I think. And once again, I'm going all over the fucking place now. I think Dalmau and Lugaro uh, came out looking good. I think Dalmau had a really good debate, man. I really think he did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but with Pierre Luisi, it's funny because. Seeing him in this debate is a completely different Pierre Luisi than we were used to. Pierre Luisi yeah. is always the kind of reserved, quiet, always during the headlights, but the smug self-assuredness yeah. about him. And he came out like firing, oh, and then me, blah, blah. And then he had the fucking audacity to say that we won the junta. We won the junta. We fucking yeah. ended shit. And then when Dalmau came to him and goes, this is a fucking embarrassment. How are you going to go up there and talk about that we won this colonial oh, you know, but I was in there, so I made sure that they didn't come and, you know, block all their bank accounts and blah, blah, blah. So, so now you you impose this. So look at us, oh, so you went and asked for it then? Because, no, nah, but uh, I was I was, I was was involved yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Like, he was, he was all over the fucking place. He was trying too hard to be like the 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 macho, the the, the fighting cock, you know, as, as they say in Spanish, like being, being that guy. Yeah. Well, I mean, the man has the charisma of molasses, you know, Absolutely. rolling down a hill. So this was his opportunity to try to be like, no, I, I actually have a beating heart. It actually works. I'm alive, believe it or not, you know? And I just I just want to say, like, Pierre Luisi, like, for some reason, and maybe it's just because he's been around so long, like, his face angers me. Just yeah. seeing him, I have, like, just, like, a visceral, like, oh, I you, you fucking 
slimy fucking yeah, worm. He, absolutely. He's, he's, he's just, he's the kind of shitty, he would have been like a Bill Clinton lieutenant. Like he's this dirty new Democrat. No, we'll yeah. make, we'll take care of the day. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, exactly. And I was thinking about saying that before we went live, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> um, no, yeah, just like you were saying, he's a he's like a classic new Dem- new Democrat type of politician. Like I've been open about how, like when I was younger, I used to consider myself a statehooder, right? Pierre Luis has been around forever. I remember when Pierre Luis would fight for statehood, and even when I considered myself a statehooder, I knew this dude was a piece of shit. Like I was never remotely a fan of his. And and once again, sorry, I'm bouncing all over this fucking place because there are so many good. Uh, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Well, I just want to make sure that listeners understand because we're throwing a lot of names out here. Um, who you know, and we although you did mention in the beginning, uh, which uh, party and position they broadly represent. Pierre Luisi is from the Statehood Party. For uh, for those who aren't familiar, um, uh, Delgado is the uh, status quo guy. Yeah. from the status quo party yeah should we like maybe get this get some order back to this i'm sorry i threw us way off do we want to like I th- no, I think, go I think, back to like a rating mm-hmm. of who the fuck did what or like i think we're well, going we just go by down the line you know well, then fucking yeah. elia Molina is gonna get no fucking time that is <laughs> 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 which actually i was about to say because we were talking about uh, uh pierre luisi god i hate that stupid politician shit which molina copied and it kind of turned me off well, yeah. like, oh, I'm going to walk around the fucking podium and I'm going to fucking yeah. walk around. Oh, dude, yeah. go fuck yourself, man. Like, exactly, man. after Pierre Luisi and Molina did that, I was like, dude, fuck both these guys. Yeah. Then I get it. Molina's an interesting guy. Like, whatever. I'm sure I'm being unfair to him. But, like, oh, God, I hate that stupid politician bullshit. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, fuck just quickly on, on Molina, like, his whole thing was because he's an independent. He doesn't have anybody in, in Congress on, on the islands. So they asked him about that. He goes, oh, so how do you expect to, you know, be governor without any 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 comrades or comrades any people in congress with you it was well the whole point of the governorship is to 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 be an admi- to uh, to administrate right to admin the entire thing to be an executive so if you're a good boss essentially it doesn't matter who's under you like and i think she doesn't work for you so but we Mol- understand molina said a few good things he talked about puerto rico's self-sufficiency so puerto rico needs to get back to manufacturing growing its own shit focus on on x on exports because puerto rico at the moment they have to import everything and because of the jones act everything is fucking expensive that's why we're in where puerto rico's in, in debt um and then when asked about the status or do you feel like we should be of state should we be independent basically what he says is look i don't care at the moment but as soon as we get our exports back, as soon as we're making money, then that'll put Congress in the U.S. into a spot, which is fucking want. They don't give a shit. Basically, oh, they'll either make us a state because they want to have a piece of the pie we're making, or they'll cut us loose because now they can't take advantage of us. So, so what the fuck does that mean? Like, what are you, what are you fucking saying? That, 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 means, that means nothing. Yeah, um... Correct me if I'm wrong. The vibe I got is because he's kind of going for like a left wing populist sort of thing to a certain extent, right? Generally sort populist, of, more sort of toward the left wing. It's man type of guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and I remember when he when he uh, got on the ballot, I remember people kind of being like, "Oh, great, another motherfucker who's just going to split votes from the left, more left wing parties that have, could have a chance to do anything." But uh, like another thing. Uh, Another big picture sort of thing to anybody who's listening and is kind of lost on what the fuck we're talking about. It's important to put a frame of reference that 
these elections upcoming in November in Puerto Rico, let's remember, these are the first elections since the big protest last year, right? These are massively important elections. That's why there were six motherfuckers on the debate stage, right? That's why the fucking Independence Party dude was actually doing good. Like that Just... in and of itself is kind of like, what the fuck? Like, and I even remember the the... The, like the newscaster people or whatever, even talking about like Dalmau's natural charisma and shit like that. And it's just like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, and, you know, he, it uh, it was very fascinating. And he was very charismatic. And, bro, we got to talk about it. Motherfucker broke out sign language on the debate stage. He broke out sign language on the debate stage. Real quick, it, I left. For some weird reason, okay, so when I saw him signing, first of all, the camera angle was kind of fucked up. You couldn't fully see his yeah. hands, so they fucked that up. Um, but from what I saw, he definitely said something along the lines of, I hope the deaf community will support me for governor, right? <laughs> Literally right after he did the signing, I don't know if media had this pre-prepared or if he sent this to media. For some reason, I saw a lot of like media saying, oh, Dow Mao signed that he'll guarantee basic necessities for deaf people. That's not what he said. Mm. <laughs> and like, I remember, and there were even comments from ASL for people who do sign language saying, that's not what he said. What he said was, I respect the deaf community vote for me for governor, which the I respect the deaf community was the first part that was kind of obscured by the angle. And looking back on it, yeah, that is what he said, which is the just the same mis, uh, the just is the same message and the acted like is, oh man, it's something that I sure as shit will never forget. And it's funny because that came in the middle of a question about education. So he starts off and goes, oh, I'm going to ask you a question, but let me, let me pause real quick. I think he's going to pause for 10, 15 seconds and come out like, oh, that's the time one child in Puerto Rico goes without food or yeah. something like that. And then he starts <laughs> signing. And then like I realize, and like, look, I'm not deaf. No one in my family's deaf, but I had to hold back tears. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine what that represented for you guys. Like. Sure. You know what I mean? And like, and what you have to understand as well, this wasn't some sort of gimmick. He has pushed legislation for the deaf community and deaf accessibility. And also this, again, isn't a gimmick. It isn't like Better O'Rourke or fucking um, uh, Bridget yeah, the bullshit, Spanish bullshit Spanish that is just pandering. He signed, I'm so-and-so, you know, I respect you, please vote for me. And that was, he didn't try to get cute with it and then went straight into his question. That was... It's huge. And now in Puerto Rico, all this, all the media, that's all they're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. He's always been, like you said, he's always been consistent on pushing equal access for, for deaf people, right? Accessibility, right? And I saw somebody tweet something to the effect of like, this is the greatest like act in favor of disabled accessibility that's ever happened on a debate stage, which Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much true. Like I can't be, that can't be denied. Which is just a testament to how abysmal the state of, uh, you know, language accessibility is if the okay. fact that just like just like a, a gesture like that is is seen is kind of is universally praised and again that's not to take away from the actual legislation and work that he's done in favor of uh equal access to uh you know uh you know language services and whatnot but um the fa yeah i mean it's just that's kind of that just goes to show you that the you know it's a long way to go when it comes to uh uh, deaf civil rights and, and uh, disability rights more broadly. So y'all, so so I said I think Dow Mao did really good. What, what the fuck do you guys think? What is like overarching views on like Dow Mao's performance? Luke, I mean, we've talked about Lugaro a little bit. I think Luke, I think Lugaro kind of started out a little slow, but really kind of worked her way into the debate as it went on. I think Dow Mao was was good throughout. You know, he maintained charisma. Um, yeah, I was gonna say Dow Mao was fucking solid. He was solid. 
I, I think at times he tried to he came up a, a bit too polished for my taste, but he he did everything he needed to do. The the way the debate was formatted was a bit like unfortunate because they, they asked a question and if someone picked on someone, then they gave that person a rebuttal and it was just back and forth all the time. So there was times where Dalmao or Luaro or some of the minor ones didn't get a chance to speak, but Dalmao did a great job at injecting himself and be like, no, especially when Lugaro was going at um, Cesar Vasquez about his homophobia and all that and gender violence. He couldn't go. And to his credit, he came in and says, you know, Alexandra is 100% right without stealing her thunder. But then he went on to like white knight, you know, a little bit, but I don't know. <laughs> no. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think down, da- I think you're exactly right. Dama did a really good job of interjecting himself when he, when he needed to, it was the kite. Ki- it was the type of performance that like us media would look at that and say like, Oh, that was strong. The way he just yeah. didn't shut the fuck up. That was strong. You know, <laughs> obviously for us, you know, okay. Hell yeah. Good for him. He's, he's fi- out there fighting because he's saying good things. Um, but also, you were saying you know some of his answers came out uh, come off uh, came off a little politiciany. Now this part may have been lost in translation a little bit for me. I'm going to fully acknowledge that and ask you when they asked him like, "Are you a socialist?" Right? He kind of gave a bullshitty answer, right? Like when like I, I don't know why he would feel I well here's the thing I get why he would feel the need to hide from that label. However, the PIP is known to be like a socialist party. Like it's not like saying, "Oh yeah," I'm, I mean I get it. I don't know. Like you said, if there was anything that was really politician, it was definitely that. But remember, the, the word socialist is a dirty fucking word in Puerto Rico. So in that respect, in, in, in respect of Puerto Rican politics, he did what he needed to do. He went around because the, the question was, um, if you're if you're in, if you're in power, are you going to be in favor of a more capitalist um, economy? So supply and demand or more socialist when the government does stuff? Because, you know, socialism is when the government does stuff and the most of the government does, the socialist or it is. Um, right. And when he responded, he's like, look, it's none of that. Look, I'm going to I'm gonna be pro-Puerto Rico. And then it went on for that. <laughs> and a, a quick, quick thing, a few things on Damado. I don't know if you noticed, I don't know if people out there noticed, but if you listen to all the candidates, when they spoke, it goes, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, Dalmao, we are going to do this, we, 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 one, and two, when they asked him the question about, um, oh, you, you're independent, you want to, you know, you know, break away from the U.S., and it's like, look, it's not about breaking away from the U.S., it's about yeah. joining the planet, joining the world. That, that, that was, was the line of the debate plan, for me. Um, that, was, that was it. That was the, the perfect answer for that. Without bullshit, yeah. forward, which is exactly what the PIP has always stood for. That not only was that the line of the debate for me, like in my extremely biased perspective, dude, I'm stealing that line from now on. That's such a good yes. line, man. Yes. It's not about leaving the United States; it's about joining the rest of the world. Oh, powerful! How many times do people say, "Oh, well, Puerto Rico is going to be by itself now"? Well, how can this small island have self sufficiency, dude? You're missing the fucking point. It's about being able to participate in what the fuck the rest of the world is doing, right? What the fuck? Because just quickly, even in Cuba, like Fidel at first, he's like, "Yo, I was open to having friendly relations with the U.S., but on our fucking terms, on our exactly, terms." Dude. The U.S. fucked around and found out. You know what I mean? And that's what the PIP is always stood for. And in the social democratic milk toast uh, platform, that's what they've, what they've stood for. If the U.S. wants to be friendly, wants to trade, great. If not, bro, we got Cuba, we got the rest of the fucking planet to trade with. Exactly, dude. Now I feel bad we haven't really talked about Lugaro's too too much. So I'm gonna say right yeah. now, I think I think Lugaro definitely stuck to her brand of I'm anti-corruption. These corrupt motherfuckers, these fucking corruptos. Like, and I remember, I, I God, I forget. 
I think this, I'm mixing shit up on my head because I know there was a great tweet. I don't remember if Lugaro pointed this out or whatever. When, uh, what is it? Charlie said some fucking stupid shit like, I'm against bad corruption. Something like that. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Or was it Pierre Luisi that said that? Some asshole said that. No, what it, what it was was she was going at him about La, La Junta, about corruption and blah, 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 blah. And they're saying, oh, um, I think it was Pierre Luisi talking about corruption isn't systemic corruption is a lack of values we're going to tackle corruption with puerto rican values and she turns around and goes but your fucking values are corruption like what the fuck are you talking about and i forget if it was pierre Luisi or attorney Edgardo said that um no i think it's pierre Luisi because he's a fucking piece of shit was saying that um because she was saying oh you like basically collectively you guys need to look at your corruption everything you've done all this bullshit blah 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 goes, oh no, no but corruption that's that's individual yeah we'll make them them i'm like it's systemic your entire fucking party is built on that and lugaro called them out on that and delmar called them out on that as well yeah i think i think lugaro um i think she really did a good job and and that's if mvc wants to have a chance this year that's what they got to do that's what they got to do. You're sick of the PPD. You're sick of the PNP. And that was literally their ads the whole time, right? Uh, what is it? You hate both parties. You're with MVC. Some shit like that. But yeah, um, yeah uh, uh, that's what she has to do. And I think she did, like we kicked this off with, she did a really good job hammering Cesar Vasquez on on uh, LGBTQ rights, on women's rights, things like that. She did real where she shined, she shined really fucking brightly. And I think at this point, we need to address the uh, the status question because she was asked her position on the status and it's kind of it's kind of emblematic of all of our critiques and praise for the MBC. Was it not, fellas? Yo, real quick, Leroy, because this is another thing that like uh, I don't know if this was lost in translation. She said, Yo soy independentista, right? She said, I'm an yeah. independentista. My homie over here is an estadista, right? She's a statehooder, right? And you know, MVC incorporates all these perspectives. That was kind of like the bullshit answer that she gave to that. But what the fuck does that mean, man? What the yeah. awesome, like, I'm sorry, I know you're a bit partial to the NVC just for the novelty of it. Yeah, man, those are my friends, dude. Yeah, they could be your friends, but it's all fucking bullshit, man. Like I said before, like earlier in the episode, the one fucking question that's always an issue in Puerto Rico will always be an issue is our colonial fucking status. Before La Junta, before the 1952 constitution that made Puerto Rico uh, uh, fucking free associate state, whatever the fuck, before 1917, before citizenship was imposed upon us, before the U.S. invaded, like, that's been the one question. If you are an independentist, guys, all three of us went independent for Puerto Rico. If we became governor, how the fuck are we going to navigate that with someone at the polar opposite of that? You can't fucking do that. Yeah, real quick. So to, a couple things to that. And we're already running long on this segment, and I knew this would happen. We knew yeah, this would happen. Yeah. But, um, but uh, okay, so here's where I'm going to defend NBC here. The position that I would say you are describing, Leroy, that was Charlie's position. Charlie's position was, ah, you know, okay, status is an issue, but, you know, we got to tackle these other issues first. Dude, shut the fuck up. All these other issues come from the status issue, you motherfucker, right? Whereas, the, if I recall correctly, the question that was given to Lugaro was, Oh, okay. So you motherfuckers have this constituent assembly thing. Well, what the hell is your position? What are you going to be supporting in the assemblies? Right. That was kind of like the gist of the question that was asked of Lugaro. I, here's the thing, hot take. And I know the people on the left get mad at me for this, dude. I think the constituent assemblies are a good idea. I think they're a good idea. Yeah. And I think they make sense. And I think that is what we should be fighting for. Right. I think there's a reason that Dalmau has to say, Hey, the statehooders. And this was, I think this was a line that was used. I forget who used it, but, uh, 
the uh, PNP hasn't been party for like 20 fucking years in statehood has never happened. Something hilarious like that. Um, but there's a reason Dalmau can't just say, ah, oh, when I'm elected governor, we're declaring independence, right? Because that doesn't make any fucking sense. I'm sorry. I know people hate to hear that, but that's just the fact of the matter. But okay, so th- I mean, that's the thing about the MVC is that like you can look at you can look at the constituent assembly idea again, and I've said this on previous episodes. You can look at it in both a cynical way and a like a politician way, right? So the cynical way is that this is an attempt for them to kind of bullshit around it. They want to avoid the question because they don't want to alienate the traditional political. Uh, establishment the traditional political i guess the party system and then the politicking way is that they they do want independence as lugaro claims to you know but they don't but they feel like they need more i guess you know i mean again the independence movement has been repeatedly crushed you know every generation right so you need political organizing in order to increase the constituency to increase support for independence. So, I mean, and it's funny, I mean, Lugaro very much was emblematic with her answer to that question of kind of MVCs, like, you know, two faces on, on the subject of the status and, you know, just kind of broadening it out very briefly here. What we're witnessing with this election is very, is the end of the old party system of Puerto Rico. I think, I think we are, Right. Um, we are witnessing kind of, a, you know, I guess this would what be the third party system of Puerto Rico, you could argue, you know, under U.S. Uh, in terms US of rule. in terms of U.S. rule. This is like this would be the third party system. And we see these new political formations like MVC, like the nationalists who don't they're trying to avoid answering the status question because again that relates to the established parties and then you have the established parties trying to figure out ways to to either absorb these new political movements or to quash them so i mean this this election is is pretty fucking heavy yeah and that's exactly what i was doing that NVC's value isn't exactly that. It's in destroying the old parties because NVC's base are going to be the disaffected PPD, par- PPD you know, partisans and then the PMP um, partisans. So the less fanatical fans of those who are tired of the same old bullshit, quote unquote, the corruption, whatever, will go to the NVC. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I well, I when I was first learning about the MVC, right, I was extremely disappointed to see their lack of a position on on a lack of a firm position on the SAS, right? I used to be extremely skeptical of the constituent assembly ideas and took that cynical approach that you just laid out there, T. But it wasn't until you know I started mingling with you know a few of them, right? They pa- they passed me a little drink. I was like, oh, is this some Kool Aid? Started sipping it, right? And <laughs> here's the thing. You drank the Kool Aid. Here's my question. Here's my question. Here's my question to both you motherfuckers. You're elected governor. What do you do? You just declare independence and then civil war outbreaks out? Like, what the fuck? Yes. You have to. I, I've always maintained. Sorry. I've always. I just spat right in my brother's face. I've always maintained. By accident. Um, I've always maintained. Liar. I've always maintained like, oh, okay. Well, obviously you need the input from the people, right? Obviously. And so if you. I, I used to theorize in my head, oh, okay, maybe if you did like like a Pinochet style referendum. And I think I've talked about this in the past. You know, oh, equal allocation to both sides. To me, that is the same thing as a constituent assembly process, just more fleshed out. If it is fleshed out to where both all sides have equal allocation, I see no problem in that. And I think that is what people should be fighting for, to be completely honest. Like, how can we possibly expect to have actual independence if it's just, oh, okay, cool, now, you know, I've been elected governor, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck. 
but like stand for something. You know what I mean? Because even though Mao said it, they asked him, oh, so if you get elected, are you going to push for independence? He goes, I'm always going to push for independence because I'm an independentista. But at now, if I become governor, it's about administrating the colony, administrating the ALA. That's going to be my thing. While I'm governing, doing everything that I want to pass, that's always going to be in the forefront of what we're trying to do as a party. So at least fucking stand, stand for something. I'm not, I'm not against the constituent assembly. I mean, again, if, if you, right. If you look at it as if, if it is them playing politics, if it is people like Lugaro and others playing politics where they're like, look, we know that we can't be a a 100% independence movement because we're going to get, you know, our shit fucked up, uh, by the establishment, by the government, I, I get that, and I think that's a great idea. Honestly, if the Constituent Assembly, you can use that in in a in a revolutionary manner, in the sense that you know this is this could be the 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 alternative state. This could be the replacement. Now, is it possible that this is just again? Is this a way for them to avoid the old party system? Uh, until they get power. We'll see. We are seeing, and we have seen these kind of uh, nondescript populist movements all across uh, the world. And something that intrigue, you know, something that kind of occurred to me is the five star movement in Italy, right? Yeah. So, so the five star, though, I would describe as center right, whereas MVC is much more of a center left to left formation. But it's the same thing where it's a kind of anti corruption populism where they don't want to. Whether for cynical or political reasons, they don't want to face the the previous typical questions that kind of consumed uh, the politics of the re- respective states. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I, I believe in that same thing as you Austin and and T about the constitutional assembly. I think that's we have to get in front of the people. People need to decide. But for me, I think T like. It's a lot of politicking on MVC. You know what I mean? I wish that they would come mm-hmm. out and for something. It's like, look, we're part of our platform is a constitutional assembly, but in saying that, we believe in this. Because you know what I mean? Because that's the number one issue. Like, uh, you have to, even if it's not the one thing you're fighting for, I feel like being Puerto Rican, that's something you need to consider. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. Now, and I think it's also when comparing MVC to like other, you know, populist, you know, populist or anti-corruption parties that have come out in the past few years. Absolutely. I think it's a definitely a similar uh, phenomenon. But let's also remember who the MVC is, right? They formed as a coalition, right? Obviously, Lugaro and her, I guess, political machine as an independent. The Puerto Rican Workers Party and Bernabe, they're a part of this. Uh, Moose, yep. you know, the sovereignty movement, they're a part of this. This is a, a bunch of different moving parts that have come together to fight the to, to you know, the duopoly in Puerto Rican politics, right? This isn't just five star where it's just some fucking comedian who's just being a fucking asshole. Exactly. It's a little different, I, I would argue. No, um, you're right. It is yeah. it is different, but it, it reminds like there are these kind of like anti-corruption populist movements rising up that whether you know for good or for ill try to avoid they try to avoid uh, certain political questions. Dare I say it? This is the status version of neither left nor right. I said it. I threw it out there. We're neither statehood nor independentista. But yeah, holy shit. We've gone like 40 fucking minutes on this. Yeah. So just real quick, to their credit, they're, they're pro-LGBTQ, they're pro-civil rights, they're pro-woman, they're pro-all those things, all the good things. So that's their credit. Um, before we move on quickly, this is a bait, and who's going to win in November? Awesome. Take it. I didn't even hear what the fuck you just said. Say that again, my bad. 
So, <laughs> who won the debate, number one, and two, who's going to win in November? Uh, okay, I think, God, that, I'm sure it's my biases here. I'm sh- I'm sure it's my biases here, but uh, I think uh, I have to go. Am I going to do it? I think I'm going to do it. I Oh, God. I desperately want to say that Dalmau won the debate, but like... Did he? Did he win the debate? Like, I feel, put it this way. I think he had the best performance, right? If if we, this was like, we're winning by decision. Okay, Dalmau won by decision, right? Split I, decision. Yeah, yeah, fair. I think, I think to to that to that point right there, I think Dalmau had a better performance than, than Lugaro, who had a really good performance as well, I would argue. But once again, I go to that first point of, I think Charlie and Pierre-Louisi, I think they did enough. I think they did all they needed to do, right? They did enough, right? It's not like there was a moment where like Pierre-Louisi was like his face was fucking red and flailing. It was like, oh no, oh, he's done. Like he got fucking destroyed on the debate stage, right? Like was, he got embarrassed. Right. I was gonna say he got embarrassed at times, but there wasn't like like you remember Rick Perry, the fucking infamous, I'm gonna oh, get rid of three. Like there was no moment yeah. like that where it was like, oh, he's out the fucking race, you know? So yeah. I th- I think they did enough to hang in there. If I was saying who wins, who won by decision, Dow Mao. Uh, who, who I think wins November? I I can't see a scenario where Pierre Luisi doesn't win. I just yeah. can't. Is it now? I still think it's going to be an insane election. Obviously, where like no way anybody's getting past fifty percent. Right? Yeah. Hell no. I don't even know if anybody's getting past forty percent. If anything, that's my hot take. I think Pierre Luisi will win with like thirty something percent of the vote, which that is amazing in and of itself. I don't, I don't know. What about you, T? Who do you think won the debate? And the elections. Well, I mean, I will avoid uh, commenting necessarily on who won the debate because I didn't really, I didn't see it most of it. Um, I only saw like caught the last bit of it. Um, but as far as November, I mean, I agree. Like as much as it kills me, as much as I hate to to say this, I I don't. I it's going to be Pierre Luisi. It the only. I mean, obviously, it's it's a long time till the election. Not so long, but. There's plenty of time again in this in 2020, like there's fucked up shit happening every week. Now, what I'm more interested in, honestly, is the down ballot races. I want to see how the MVC does. I want to see how the how the Independence Party does. I want to see how all these other political and the nationalists. I want to see how all these political formations do, because that'll tell us, you know, this in many respects, this is the old system fighting for its life against uh, what could very well be the future political fault lines in, in on the island going forward. So I'm I'm going to say Pierre Luisi, but I am very, very curious about the other races. And I think we should definitely keep an eye out on that because that'll tell us what things are going to be like moving forward. No, I, I agree with both of you 100%. I, I think police is going to just scrape by with 30-something percent, which which is a massive low vote. You know what I mean? Cause what, true, what, true. Yeah, the, the two-party system, one of them is always, always dominates, or at least always gets at least 50%. I think police will scrape by with 30-something percent. NBC will do well. Dalma will do well. And I reckon... Um, and in terms of the debate, I think Dalma won just 100% right off the bat. But like you said, T, I'm interested to see, and I reckon it's going to be the case that NVC and the PAP, the Independence Party, is going to have a great showing down ballot because the grassroots work, all the groundwork they've been doing, doesn't beats any other any one of the other parties, which is what what matters. The down ballot races. 
I think, dude, I think PIP is to me, they're such a wild card right now. Like, mm. I don't know what the fuck their turnout is going to be, right? I like, I could just as easily see them like, oh, fuck, like, Dalmau broke like 10% as much as I could see him break like 2%. Like, I have Man. no fucking idea. Um, what I will say though, when I'm thinking about like down ballot races and, uh, the other the implications of what the fuck will destroy the party system like i'm thinking will the mbc be able to beat the ppd if they mm, if yeah. Lugaro beats charlie oh shit that's a fucking sea change and i wouldn't rule that out man i would not rule that is it is it likely i don't know if i'd say it's likely i wouldn't rule it out and second of all manuel natal for mayor of san juan holy shit if he actually fucking won that would also be a fucking big big fucking deal in my opinion all right I guess I think we'll leave it there because we've, we've spoken about this way too much. Um, but yeah. We're almost like at an hour already. Pero si van a votar en Puerto Rico, voten por Dalmau, okay? If you listen from Puerto oh, yeah. Rico, vote for Dalmau. Anyway, moving on, we'll move on to more election stuff in Bolivia where um, latest poll has Luis, uh, Luis Alce of the Mass Party, so Evo's party, leading by like 40, 40%. Carlos Mesa, the second place, is like 25%. So he's set to win in a first-round matchup because they do have a runoff system. But if he gets 40% and wins by at least 10%, he wins automatically, which was the issue for the coup last year. Um, and in saying that, and as a result of that, Agnes, so the coup, the interim coup president, is in fourth place behind even fucking, uh, fucking Camacho, the crystal fascist leader of the, par- the right-wing fascist paramilitary groups. So she's in fourth place, has no chance of winning, so she's actually dropped out in... I guess, an attempt to sort of unify the right-wing response and opposition to um, MAS. So it'll be very interesting. So I'm, I'm still of the mindset that of what we've spoken about before. She's dropped out. They're going to coalesce the right-wing parties. I think there's still going to be a little bit of a, a battle between Carlos Mesa because Carlos Mesa was the vice president of um, Gonzi, El Gringo. So the, the guy who was president during the, the water war and the gas war, he resigned. Carlos Mesa... Goni, um, exactly came to power um, just for the, to finish out the, the, the thing, and then Evo was elected. Um, so he's more of this centrist, neoliberal, sort of statesman kind of guy, whereas Camacho's your right-wing fascist, charismatic, crystal fascist, whatever the fuck. So it'll be interesting because they have very different styles, very different approaches to their right-wingness. So we'll see if they can coalesce. But at the end of the day, like we've spoken about it before, like Mas is going to win the first round, it's going to go to a second round, and then we're going to see some major fuckery happen even if mass is ahead or even if the other parties are ahead. So something to, you know, make note of a lot of, at least people I, I noticed in the United States were, you know, at least left-wingers in the United States were, were very scared about this and they were very, you know, they were like, Oh, this is, you know, right-wing consolidation. This is very bad. And here's the thing. Anez, Anez's position was never secure. It was yeah. not secure at the dawn of the coup. She kind of got into the presidency because the right wing was divided before. If anything, if anything, this was shouldn't be that surprising because, again, she really didn't. She was the dark horse. She was the compromise at the beginning of the coup. Yep. Now, the question is, if Mesa and if Camacho can put their differences aside. Now, yep. if one of those two drop out, now we're in trouble. Now we're actually seeing the right wing opposition, everything from, you know, the neoliberals to the fascists 
coming together to put a stop to Moss and the left and the people. Uh, I don't know, because again, the right wing, you know, praise God, the right wing in Bolivia is still very divided. Thank God. Um, now, I, that does not mean that I'm going to, you know, necessarily revise our prediction, which, you know, you laid out. Uh, but I don't think Inez dropping out is like this bombshell that some people might think it is. Uh, again, if if Mesa or Camacho drops out, that is the bombshell. That would be, oh, fuck, here we go again. Yeah, you know, I guess like... Uh... To me, when I read, saw this news, I, I kind of greeted it with uh, joy, I guess. like It was, it was kind of like a, a symbolic sort of victory, just like, haha, you know, Agnes is officially done. Like, that's cool. And I think part of my part of the reason my reaction was that rather than once again, like, oh, right wing consolidation, like you were saying, a lot of leftists had is because we've already been clear about this. And you just said it at the top, Leroy. I'm extremely cynical looking at this. I think I think. Anybody who even thinks there's going to be a fair election, like you are, that's your first fucking mistake. Like there is not going to be a fair, like I'll be shocked. Like I would have been, I would have been shocked if there wasn't a second round. Like that would have been a fucking stunner to me. I think, uh, I think it's, if it wasn't guaranteed before, yeah, it's guaranteed that there's going to be a second round. Like no matter what, even, even if once again, even if Arce and Moss, do beat everybody else by 10%. Dude, they're just going to fucking rig it. Like, it's literally that simple. The lights are going to go off. They're going to go on. <laughs> oh, it's actually 9.5%. You know, ah, that means we're doing a second round. Ha, ha, fuck you. And, you know, then it's a fucking wrap. If, you, if you've ever seen that tell that Netflix show, Narcos Mexico, mm-hmm. um, there's a wonderful scene <sighs> of, of, of an election happening where they, they literally, like, turn the machines off and shit. And that's, that's exactly how it'll go down. And the thing is, again, Inez was her position was never secure. You know, the idea that her dropping out is this like shattering revelation. You're just dumb. You just don't know uh, the how the right wing is operating in Bolivia. She was the compromise at the coup. She was the compromise because the neoliberal business class and the right, you know, far right nationalists and fascists couldn't agree on uh, on on shit you know this is not that earth shattering yeah exactly and to your point man two two things she she fell into the position of president right because they have a natural succession process right she she was just next in line so because she was part of the opposition next in line she became president it could have easily been anybody else and to your second point about you know if you think this bombshell whatever blah 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 you're still looking at latin american politics through a U.S. centric lens, right? Because we think about like, oh, Bernie Sanders dropped out, oh, Buttigieg they dropped out to consolidate the Democrats to blah blah blah. That's not how it works. Maybe the right wing consolidates and beats mass front square. Maybe they don't. They still like stay separated, and there's a lot of infighting. Who the fuck knows? It doesn't work the same way it does in the fucking United States, right? Because. We're looking at everything in the United States. We're, we're thinking the United States is falling apart, that all oh, this is social strife and blah, blah, which there is. But compared to the rest of the fucking world, the United States has enjoyed a relatively, relative peace and order for the last however many fucking years. Those of us who are people of color, who are oppressed communities, we felt it. But by and large, as a society, as a white settler colony, 
it does not compare. We couldn't even imagine the fuckery that takes place in Latin America, Africa, and around the world. I think that's a great point, Leroy. You know, people are the thing about the United States and, you know, the disorder that we're experiencing in the United States. And it is disorder. I mean, we we've seen, you know, mass uprisings, all kinds of we've seen murders. We've seen all kinds of chaos. The fact of the matter is, is that this is the United States joining the rest of the world. The, in exactly. the rest of the world, you know, elections, election season is a time is a horrible time. It is not a fun time. It's like, ah, oh, shit, you know, here we go again. That this is in many respects, the United States is joining its American brothers and sisters in the rest, you know, in the rest of, you know, all of the Americas. This is the this is normal. What what the United States is experiencing now, this is. Honestly, this is mild compared to a lot of places, especially uh, in uh, Africa and many African nations. Their elections are are much more chaotic. Latin America, obviously, a lot more chaotic. This is, you know, the United States, you know, is, again, it's much more American than it realizes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which is why, you know what Chavez's solution to the Supreme Court was? I'm going to pack that motherfucker. <laughs> That's what his answer was. He was like, oh, constitutional norms? Yeah, fuck you. That's what his fucking answer was. Guess what? We got 12 Chavistas on this motherfucker. That's what his answer. All these people freaking out about the spring. I find it rich how many liberals and other U.S. leftists are talking about. You know what? Fuck it. We just, we just need to pack the course. The same motherfuckers that were denouncing Chavez and the Bolivarians just 10 fucking years ago for doing that. I said it. I fucking said it. I don't know if anybody has any hot takes I, on. I was going to say, Ruth I, Bader think Ginsburg. Had a, I think we're going to hot take too. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg sucks. I mean, the fact that she died is funny, you know, because I always laugh when a powerful person dies. Obviously, I'm not excited about the, you know, the reanimated corpse of Antonin Scalia. That they're gonna, you know, they're gonna take, they're gonna resurrect his soul from hell, and they're gonna send it into the body of some kind of like thirty-year-old Federalist Society, uh, like drone that they fucking grew in the basement of Fox News. I'm not excited about that. I'm not excited, you know. I'm not excited about the, you know, the probably the end of uh, Roe v. Wade. Not excited about that. However. It is very funny that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is dead. I am absolutely dancing on her grave. Fuck all powerful people. She voted. Uh, she did not vote against uh, uh, Promessa when the Promessa case came up about a year ago. She went along with the rest of the court. She uh, assented to the doctrine of discovery when it came oh, to uh, in, right. It came to indigenous lands. If you look up her rulings on fucking. On law and order cases, she is no different than a conservative. She's very conservative on law and order and police issues. Police issues, interesting. I I seem to recall something going on lately this past summer about police and shit. So fuck her. I don't care. Fuck all the powerful people. Every politician. Every fucking person in the United States government. Fuck them all. I don't care. Cry about it. Cry more. And and when you're done, cry again. Shit. Yeah, and, and to add to that a little bit, she called... Colin Kaepernick's protest stupid because oh, he's stupid I and mean, he could he could do whatever he wants, but the fact that he's doing it is really fucking stupid. And look what the fuck we are now. Like she called that stupid. And um second of all, like who's stupid uh, now? Exactly. Hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Colin Kaepernick's still alive. Anyway, um but for the fucking liberals and Democrats to put all their fucking faith and hope for the future into an eighty seven fucking year old Supreme Court judge. 
what the fuck are you thinking? How, do, how the fuck do you think all this shit works? You know what I mean? Like, she's dead now. What's going to fucking happen? Either Trump appoints somebody and it goes straight through, or, or Trump appoints somebody and the Democrats like, oh, yeah, look, for the sake of, you know, whatever, blah, 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 because our entire fucking system in the U.S. is, is, is based on consensus. Consensus to the middle ground in the U.S., the middle ground is fucking far right. Which, yeah, I'm going to make a prediction now that, I don't know, for all I know, maybe the news reports already came out that prove this is wrong, or maybe I'll look stupid in the future. But I don't think I saw anybody say this on Twitter. Trump's, he's going to appoint a woman, right? Like, he's going to intentionally be an asshole and appoint an extremely far-right woman to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Just like Thurgood Marshall and Clarence Thomas, right? The intentionally asshole conservative thing of, oh, you see, we, we're cool with women on the court, right? Just to be a giant asshole. That's my prediction right now. Yeah, he's going he's, he's to point on Candace Owens just because she's black. She's a woman. Oh, Jesus as well. Christ. Be a oh my gosh. Don't speak that into existence, bro. Good Lord. Yeah, I think she's too young, so. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They'll, they'll change the rules or some shit. But um, we're running kind of long, so we'll just move on to the, the police story. So during this week, um, a vote was held to bring the president pool up on um, impeachment. Um, that vote passed, but on the actual impeachment vote, it failed, which is begs the question that if the if the legislature is dominated by the opposition, why didn't it just pass all the way through? They have an election coming up in a couple of months. Surprise, surprise. So this is just all about disrupting that, that whole process. Now, in the last, I think, two, three years, this is the third time president has been brought up on impeachment. Just before him, he was the, the current president, was the vice president of, um, what's his name, Pedro Pablo Kuczynski, whatever, who... Yeah was an American citizen, his wife's American, his kids live in the U.S., his businessman. He was actually, um, I think he eventually resigned after being impeached um, on corruption charges because he was actually linked to Odebrecht, so that um, Brazilian construction company at the middle of La Bajato, that like all those corrupt motherfuckers were part of, he was actually, he was implicated in that, in that La Bajato, so that's why he resigned. So we have the current president now. Um, but, this whole corruption thing was linked to his connection to, I think it's like a singer or some sort of artist who was being paid like a astronomical fee for talks or whatever. And there's actually tapes of the present, like trying to organize everybody so that everybody has their, their sort of ducks in a row and they're in their store straight. So um, very interesting that the opposition brought him to impeachment, but then, you know, changed their mind. Nah. So um, very, very interesting indeed. Yeah, aside from Peru being a giant clusterfuck and that being like a story in and of itself that we could go and do for, for quite a while, his story's hilarious to me. Like, so he, so Viscara was about to get impeached because he was paying exorbitant fees to a singer known as Richard Swing to yep. do motivational speeches. What? The yeah. fuck you talking about? <laughs> it was when like I read 50, this shit, it was $50,000 or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the one of the worst COVID pandemics in the in in Latin America, only what is it third to what Mexico and Brazil. Like yeah. what the fuck? Like and he almost got impeached. Oh my god. Like Peru is a massive clusterfuck. Yes, like when I or we take big old shits on like the Colombian government. Here's the thing: I hate the Colombian government because it was a ruthlessly efficient machine. The Peruvian government is a fucking farce. Like, oh man, like because when you look, the, like 
uh, like Peru should be a regional powerhouse. Absolutely. It should be a leading. It should be like a leading state in South. Peru was the political center of both the Spanish, you know, empire and the Inca Empire. Man, like Peru, like, and I have so many different fascinating nerdy as fuck theories about all of this. Like when I compare Peru, the seat of the Inca, to Mexico, the seat of the Aztecs, I think we can't underestimate the fact that. The Spanish colonizers and, you know, later on the Mexican state, their capital was based in the same capital that the Aztecs were. So there was that maybe not so conscious, but it led to that kind of definitely bullshit. Don't get me wrong, but that, you know, fusion of cultures into their national myth, so to speak. Whereas in Peru, completely different. Lima on the coast, away from everything. Right. And I think it's resulted in this this really fucked up multi-layered society right and you know mario tiki of course the peruvian marxist talks a lot about this sort of shit and he's definitely the authoritative uh uh, voice on this subject but damn like peru like what the fuck man like and this is just this is just oh man like i worry for for peru dude i really do like pedro pablo pedro pablo kuzinski the dude that you were saying who was the president before uh biscara took over who had to resign from a corruption scandal he beat Kaiko Fujimori, Alberto Fujimori's daughter, by like less than a percent. Yeah. Like Peru is one of those, like, oh man, it's one of those countries that I look at and it's just like the people, <laughs> they've voted against the far right again and again. But when the option against the far right is the worst establishment people again and again and again and again, don't be surprised when Peru goes far right when they had no left wing option because it was taken from them. And now I'm getting into a weird fucked up place here. Well, you know, the thing is, it's like it's one of the Peru is one of those places where, you know, the left, even the left cannot be allowed to succeed. So, you know, it's no surprise that, you know, there was that episode in the 80s and early 90s that, you know, maybe we'll get into one of these days, uh, you know, a path. Uh, a oh, path, yeah. a path, a path that was glowing. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, no, obviously it's because that's a fucking conversation. Um, but you know, it shouldn't surprise us that you had a movement like Sendere Luminoso, you know, rise up because again, the left popular movements cannot be allowed to succeed. It's much. It's very similar to Colombia in this respect. According, you know, in the eyes of the United States, international capital, all that, you know, whatever you want to call it, it cannot, Peru is an anchor. It cannot be allowed to fall, you know? Yeah, like, um, exactly what you said, um, Austin, at the beginning, Peru should be a powerhouse with the, all the natural resources, the nitrates, the second, the, the second um, biggest export of, of copper, whatever, you know what I mean? And globally, they should be a world economic powerhouse, but they're not. Them and Bolivia should be the opposite of their standing now. They're two of the, Peru less so, but two of the poorest countries in the world when they should be dominating the fucking planet. And if you look at, going back to the government, the government structure, if you look at the legislature, it's right-wing parties down the line. You have a center-right president right now and the entire opposition right-wing. You know what I mean? You you mentioned um, Keiko Fujimori. Kuczynski is a, he worked for the World Bank, he worked for the IMF, he worked for the Peruvian National Bank, he worked, he was part of Odebrecht, so the corrupt construction company from Brazil. Neoliberal right wing through and through, and he was the better option to the opposition, you know what I mean? It just shows the structure. It's sad, exactly, it's sad. It, it makes, it makes, 
it makes me think of the southern United States. And I hate to think look at things through a US centric lens, but you look at the far right governments and it's like, wow, why is this always getting elected? Look at the alternative. When the alternative is bullshit ass Democrats every four fucking years, what do you expect? In Virginia, Governor Blackface. Yeah. Remember that. Yeah, and I think like it's it's like if, if Fujimori if Keiko had been elected, like you already know the narrative would have been oh, uh, you see god fucking brown people going to their fucking dark past, like when the fucking alternative was PPK, who was this motherfucker, who was the most establishment motherfucker on earth. And I think I'd be remiss to to not mention uh, that, like, Peru's politics are just so fucked up. Like, I remember, uh, I don't know if y'all remember Ollanta Humala from the Peruvian Nationalist Party or whatever, who kind of was like a left-wing populist kind of dude trying to frame it that way, and then did Fuck all. Matter of fact, I think he might have even gotten swallowed up in Lava Jato too as like a post president or some shit like that. I don't fucking know. But dude, we like I know I I'm sure we all could go on for Peru, uh, go on about Peru for a very long time. But I think T, I think you make a great point as far as Peru leftists are not allowed to succeed because Peru it is one what what is it called? It's the Lima Group. That's the name of the fucking exactly. right wing alliance, the Lima Group, right? Because Peru is one of those one of those countries that is like. The U.S. will always guarantee that it's one of its fucking allies, no matter what. Um, and uh, man, Peru's just—you know—my heart it weeps for Peru, man. What the fuck? Like, I, yeah, I—it's—it's it's very sad. And it's funny, like, not to get too deep in the woods, but Peru has always been like that, all the way back to liberation times. Like, so when Bolivar was coming south from the north and San Martin was coming up, Peru was deeply royalist. It was deeply loyal to the, to the, to the monarchy. And just, and just quickly, um, we talked about Keiko Fujimori, just for a bit of context. She's the daughter of Alberto Fujimori, who's a former president of Peru, um, of Japanese descent. They're both, not that that has anything to do with anything, but deeply corrupt, was corruption charges. I think he was even in prison a few years ago, but then was released because he's 175 years old or some shit or had cancer <laughs> or whatever the fuck. But, um, I think he fled to Japan. Is he in Japan now? I think he fled to Japan. I, I could be wrong though. I think uh, he's in exile. That sounds familiar. Yeah, but um, but but, but yeah, yeah, oh, man. Like, and once again, I go back to like the 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 like the the way Peruvian society is set up, right? It just like you said, you know, what do we talk about in during the South American Wars of Independence? Bolivar, you know, the Venezuelan, and San Martin, the Argentine, right? Right in the middle, like Peru. <laughs> like, who do we talk about as like the big Peruvian person? I mean, I'm sure there are like generals and shit, but like not among the pantheon, right? And I think, and I wonder what part of the way Peruvian society is set up led to that. Once again, like making sure that the capital was on the coast, right? And saying, ah, you know, all that Indian shit, oh, who really gives a fuck, right? As opposed to, once again, in contrast to Mexico, which obviously I'll be the first one to tell you, Mexico has its own issues, right? But it's it's just different, man. There's just a different way that the that the culture's developed. And I think that is a part of it when it comes to Peru. And I don't know, maybe I'm extrapolating crazy conclusions here. Yeah, and I'm just quickly like, what do we talk about the whole history of Latin America? It's it was based on this latifundio system that existed all across Latin America, but especially grave in Peru. There's a reason why Mariategui had so much to say as a you know in regard to latifundio, uh, Latin uh, a Latin American and American style Marxism, because the entire government, the entire society is white or indigenous, and then you have your Afro-Peruvians as well. It's funny, just quickly, um, one, of my, one of my best friends growing up, he's Puerto Rican, but lives in Peru. I remember asking him one time, like, are there any, like, rich indigenous folks, or are there poor white people, whatever? He's like, oh, there are poor white people, but there's no rich indigenous Peruvians, which hmm. goes to show you. That's 
That's yeah. that's really interesting. Exactly. Like it's 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 a clusterfuck, man. And I I don't know how long we want to go on here, but if we go any longer, I'm probably gonna start talking about the shining path, and I don't think anybody wants that to happen. So yeah, people get triggered. <laughs> Nobody um, wants me to get on a rain about Gonzalo, okay? That was just gonna oh, oh god, dropping Nora on me. Come on now, bro. We're gonna have to do a whole podcast series on Nora. Nah, nah. Anyway. Um nah, again, like we we've running too 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 long, so I I reckon we just wrap it up there. Unless if you have anything else to say. In regards yeah, to Peru, probably fucking oh. Bolivia, Puerto Rico. Nah. Like cool. I said, you better you better stop me before I keep going. So yeah, we could be here all day with these three topics. Um but yeah, so we'll just wrap it up there. Um, again, thanks for joining us. Um, shout out again to all our lovely patrons for showing your solidarity. And if you enjoy what, we, what we're doing here and want to support, want, want to help us put out better stuff for you, um, definitely send us some, some cheese, slice of cheese over to us. We'll always be appreciated. Yeah. Um, we're going to be dropping, we're going to be recording and dropping the second part to our series on the Bolivian Constitution. I got delayed a little bit just for life. Your life happens. But it just means we're going to put out a better product. Um, in saying that, make sure you check out the first part and make sure you check out our series on the Venezuelan Constitution just for a bit of context, a bit of perspective, because no doubt we're going to be referencing that and the format will be very, very similar. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, Austin. Uh, yeah, just a real quick reminder, if you're in Puerto Rico, obviously vote down now and vote no, right? We're voting no on that goddamn referendum, though I'm sure I didn't have to tell any of our listeners that. Um, and on that note, we might have a little, some, some cooking, that cooking up that oh, will right. you know, surprise yeah. for everybody next week. We'll see what happens though. Surprise. Um, yeah, Austin's working on that. So hopefully he can come through for us, which will be huge. Um, so no pressure, man. Everything's riding on you. Um, but in saying <laughs> that, bro, I always come through. It's all good. Always, always. Yeah. Busiest guy I know. Um, but in saying that, yeah, we just leave it there. So as usual, hasta la victoria and peace. Cheers. Later y'all.